Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Ah, oh, dang it. The one clip I happen to ask for is not on our list. Weird. Mishap. Mishap. I just learned a new word. What's that? Obloquy. Okay. This uh, gal is uh, filing a lawsuit against Black Lives Matter Sacramento because they doxed her and exposed her as a racist, except she's not the person that posted whatever messages. It was somebody who used her name to post loathsome things online. BLM goes crazy, exposes her, yells, get her, blah, 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 but she didn't do anything. Mm. That's oh man, it's like, it's like, it reminds me of the swatting that people do, where they get the SWAT team to show up to your house uh, and all. It's terrible. It's awful. Speaking of black... But anyway, okay. uh, let me let me give you the context. Her uh, attorney says the uh, what BLM did exposed the lady to, quote, hatred, contempt, ridicule, and obloquy. You okay. hate to be exposed to that. Yeah. Especially when, you know, nobody knows what it is. Um, <laughs> speaking of Black Lives Matter, so the... Lawyer for Derek Chauvin is asking the judge for a retrial because of this news that came out that one of the jurors had participated in a Black Lives Matter march and at one point was wearing a T-shirt that said, you know... Get your knee off my neck. Yeah. Or knees off our necks or something. But something that would lead you to believe that he uh, had uh, an opinion of what had happened. The, Mm -hmm. The juror already had an opinion of what had happened. And um, so he had been asked if he had participated in any of the protests in Minneapolis, and he had said no, but they didn't, for whatever reason, say, well, did you participate in any protests anywhere else? Because he went to Washington, D.C. to participate. So he, so he answered the question factually correctly and didn't lie. No, I did not participate in any of the protests in Minneapolis. I participated in a protest in Washington, D.C. with a T-shirt that would lead you to believe that I think the guy's guilty, but you didn't ask well, me that. Even more powerful than that, I think, although I'm not sure. I've heard lawyers say, now that's not so strong, but you can get any lawyer to say anything if you pay him enough. Yeah. Um, the guy in interviews has said, yeah, I got on that jury because we need to have change in this country. That sounds uh, not super like uh, neutral to me. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this turns out. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, different topic. So there is an op-ed in the USA Today today from Liz Cheney, the number three in the Republican Party, about how uh, she um, is not going to change her uh, views. She believes Trump did something awful on January 6th. She also believes that Ted Cruz and others um, should be gone from the Republican Party also. Well, she's out of step with the Republican Party because you're talking about some of the biggest stars in the party, including Donald Trump. Uh, statistically. So it looks like she's going to go. There's nobody even left, right, or center who thinks there's this isn't what's going to happen in a week. They're going to have a vote in a week, and she's going to be booted out. And most likely she's going to be replaced by this Elise Stefanik, who's a, a newer congresswoman who backed Trump on the whole insurrection stuff, but actually voted with Trump less. That's what's interesting. Liz Cheney, who's going to get booted out next week, voted for Trump for president both times. Both times mm-hmm. voted for him for president and voted with him on his policies 93% of the time. Elise Stefanik only voted with Trump 77% of the time, but she came to his aid during his moment of crisis, so that's the way that's going to turn out. 
Well, what's really interesting is that at least Stefanik got, at one point she got an F from one of your conservative yeah. think tanks. Yeah. She, now she's tacked somewhat to the right, but um, yeah, uh, worshiping her as some sort of paragon of conservatism and Trump support is a little odd. Well, and conservatism, people throw that around like you're, you're, he's really conservative, likes Trump. I, I don't see how those words go together necessarily. They're unrelated. Yeah, yeah, they're unrelated. But anyway. I mean, they're related in some policies, but in some, not the least. Frank Luntz, a Republican pollster, who it turns out Kevin McCarthy lives in his apartment for some reason, or rents a room or something. Love is blooming in the spring. No, 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 no. It's not one of those things. He needs a place to stay when he's not in Bakersfield. Yeah. Anywho, uh, Frank Luntz believes that uh, the the Trump side of the Republican Party is definitely establishing its dominance. And uh, as of next Wednesday, that, that, that battle will be over. And today is out with this veteran GOP pollster Frank Luntz said former President Trump's repeated assertions that the 2020 presidential election was rigged could hurt Republican efforts to take back the House, but believes that Trump will be the uh, nominee in 2024. I I would take that action. I would bet on Trump being GOP nominee in 2024, he said. Did he mention a figure? How much would he bet? Because I'm interested. He said he'll bet, and you just said you will bet. So if we could put you two together, we would have an actual wager, which would be very exciting. And none of this, the, the winner gives it to charity. I want the money. He said Trump would be the odds-on favorite to win the Republican nomination if he runs in 2024. So that, there's an if in there. Right. Um, I don't see how Trump gets beat if he runs, but we'll see. Long way I to could, go. I could absolutely build a case for how that happens. Um, it would be a tough slog, but if you get a really attractive, uh, like Tim Scott, Nikki Haley, something like that, um, and them say, look, with all due respect to Donald Trump and all he uh, accomplished, you remember how crazy and divisive it is? We're going to keep the America first thing. We're going to blah, blah, blah. I could see it working, especially because Trump's going to be freaking old. you got to get 1% more than he does in each state. True. And... I also suspect that the Republicans would do, the Republican establishment would do what uh, the Democrats did when Bernie started winning again. <laughs> And just say, all right, we're picking one, and everybody's backing them. Right. If Trump, if the Republicans could do that, if they could control their people and have just a couple of people run, then you'd have a chance of winning. Or especially if you just had one star win against Trump, you'd have a chance of winning. But Mm -hmm. if Trump's running against a crowded field, he gets the biggest number every state. You're right. Absolutely. And I think it will be a crowded field, which gets into the whole parties don't have any power anymore and how that's actually turned out to be a bad thing, which is the opposite of what I would have expected. But whatever. We can talk about that some other time. Don't have to bore you with that. I want to. I'm going to put this before the ruling committee. I would like to retell the story of Joe Biden's crazy Amtrak story. Yeah, I just, just saw the headlines on this. People are emailing us. This story, like once every two and a half minutes, is there all day. Is there not audio of it anywhere? He, he... It was at an event marking Amtrak's 50th anniversary. I, I haven't come across it. I haven't any either. Tape. I haven't either. I just read the New York Post version of it. Yeah. It's pretty I... funny. If you haven't heard it, you should stick around. I mean, it's, it's you know, if, if we had the audio, it'd be corn pop-esque. Yeah, it's probably harmless, but it is definitely highly suspect and corn pop-esque. Stay tuned. Not a joke. Armstrong and Getty.
Getty Show. So, um, you're about to hear a story from Joe Biden. We're going to listen to Joe Biden tell the story, and then Joe's going to point out everything that's wrong in the story. Is that the way we're going to do it? Yeah, I wasn't going to set it up exactly like that, but that's that's fine. Uh, yes, I would like you to listen to this story. I would like you to pay attention to the details, the people, <laughs> the, the the times, the numbers. Let's just let's okay. enjoy the story. Pay attention to the details. Two, three, four. When I became vice president, one of uh, the Capitol Hill newspapers estimated that I had taken more than 7,000 round trips in Amtrak over my career. I think that's an exaggeration. And I'm going to rely on those two conductors that uh, Mr. Weaver will remember. Uh, one of which a guy named Angelo Negri. And Angelo, there was an article, my, I guess, my fourth or fifth years president, vice president, saying Biden travels 1,300,000 miles in Air Force One. And I used to, the Secret Service didn't like it, but I used to like to take the train home. My mom was sick, and I'd come, try to come home almost every weekend as vice president to see her. And uh, I was getting on the train, and Angelo Negri came up to me and goes, Joey, baby! And he grabbed my cheek, started to squeeze it like he always did. And I thought he was going to get shot. <laughs> I'm serious. And I said, no, no, he's a friend. He said, Joey, what's the big deal? A million, 200,000, 300,000 miles on Air Force Two. You know how many miles you travel on Amtrak? I said, no, Angie, I don't know. And he gave me the calculation. And he said, you travel 1,515,000 miles on Amtrak. So the fact is, I probably take Angie's word before I took the word of what the article said. You know, that's just a great story all the way around. That was quite something. Even if it's all accurate, it's just okay. Great. Can I have that time back? I mean, it's what such an old man story. It is such an old man story. We just kind of smiled. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Would you like more salad? Oh, he gave you the miles. That <laughs> <laughs> is like, I really, really, really don't want to be that way when I'm old. I'm going to fight that so hard. I don't want to bore people with stories that don't do anything. And I know, oh, I know you or get stories older, they've heard twice already. Or you get old and lonely and you just want to tell people things and you think you got wisdom, but I just, I hope I don't do that to people. You Joey, will. baby. You will. Uh, so, all right. Here are some of the issues with that tale. Biden entered the fourth year of his term as vice president around 2013, okay? Negri's obituary states that he retired from Amtrak in 1993, 30 years, I'm sorry, 20 years prior to when allegedly he was pinching his cheek and saying, Joey, baby. He missed by 20 years. 20 years. While Biden was still a senator, he retired. Meanwhile, Biden's mother died several years before the time period he's talking about when he was vice president and Joey Negri or or Mr. Negri was pinching his cheek and when he went home to visit his sick mom. And so, like, none of those things fit. Joey, what's the big deal? (laughs) And all the numbers are wrong about how far he went on Air Force Two, actually not one, and the the trains, and it's just, there's almost no individual detail in that story that's true. I can see mistaken when the guy ran the Amtrak years ago, but you'd think you'd remember the year your mom died. 
and not like be off by that by a lot. Yeah, but wait a minute. He's saying that specific guy was pinching his cheek and almost got shot by oh, the right. Secret Service. Because you don't have Secret Service when you're senator. During the discussion of his million and a half miles on Air Force Two. He's combining a whole bunch of different things into one story. And the guy was 20 years retired, at least. Yeah. Now, I- Joe Biden is a fabulous to the definition, a person who composes or relates fables, a liar, especially a person who invents elaborate, dishonest stories. Yeah, well, liar, I, I, I hang that word out. I keep that word back for things that matter generally. I don't think this matters much, but he is no. a fabulist, no doubt. Joey, baby. Yeah, I, I, th- I don't think the corn pop story, uh, who knows how much of that's factual or whatever. <laughs> I don't, it doesn't matter. This story. Doesn't matter. It's a no. good story. I mean, it's not a great story. <laughs> I would not. Is it a good story? Joe, it's not what's a, the big oh, deal? Could you, could you have told it in like 10 seconds? <laughs> you know, I got an award for how many miles I'd have flown on Air Force Two. They pointed out at Amtrak I've actually gone more miles than Amtrak. Okay, that came long did, up. How yeah. long did that take me? Yeah, well, you're not the old man Joe Biden. And what's the point anyway? Woo for you. Captain Traino? I mean, what, do I, what, am I, what am I supposed to do with this information? Worst superhero ever. <laughs> Captain Traino? Wow. I'm always wow. on time. <laughs> you know, you gotta, you gotta grant him. The corn pop story was a great yeah, freaking yeah, story. Yeah, yeah, we've played that over and over because it's just so entertaining. Oh, yeah. And corn pop was a bad dude. But he was telling sure. that story when he was much younger than now. Yeah. It makes a difference. He's lost some of his. <laughs> yeah, it does. He's Mr. lost. Vice President. He's lost. Joey Baby's lost some of his, uh, his storytelling. Oh, hey, let me do. Speaking of aging, let me do a quick public service announcement. And I know you can chime in on this one too, uh, Jack. Um, yesterday, I I went to the dermatologist, and I'm a I'm a middle aged guy who's been on golf courses, baseball that's fields guy, my entire life. It's the guy that looks up your yoo-hoo? No, no, no. That's a different fella entirely. Um, <laughs> and my dermatologist ever says that. I'm punching him. Actually, he is a her. Uh, but, uh, and I would never lift a hand against a woman. But the, the point is, I had to get a couple of things uh, shaved off, send them to the lab, just make sure everything's cool. It, that process sounds bad. It's not at all. It's mildly annoying. Which process is that? Uh, just getting a, a little sample, a little tissue sample to send oh, off to the lab. Yeah. There are other procedures that are, that are pretty uncomfortable, but, if you're smart about going and getting things checked before they turn into something that might be dangerous, it's really a big nothing. So if you're middle-aged, especially if you've spent a lifetime in the sun, get in with a dermatologist. Sometimes yeah. it's hard. Sometimes it takes a while before you can get that first appointment. Do this. No, there's and, not. And use your sunscreen. Wear your hats. There's not much to that. I've had that done, Cheese, because I'm, very, I'm a very light-skinned person but pretended I wasn't my whole life. I've had that done 15 times, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but it does matter where it is. Because the first time I had it done, I thought, well, that's awesome. That's nothing. And the next time they did it in a different spot, okay, that's a little more there. And then if you have to go further to the Mohs surgery where they got to get way down in there, that oh. one that, that one on my head, that one hurt. Yeah, you don't want <laughs> that. Like, you don't ah, want that. Er, how deep you going there? That's a, <laughs> I think you tickled my brain. <laughs> Which side of my scullion? Uh, but the, one of my points is you, you want to prevent that if you can. Oh, yeah. Hey, it's sure. an, you're not some sort of superhero who resists radiation from the sun. Be smart. Yeah. End of lecture. Um, 
I remember old Angelo Negri once pointed out to me, it was as I was getting off the space shuttle. He said, this was, this was 1991 when I just graduated from college and then all three of my kids were grown. And Angelo <laughs> Negri says to me as I'm getting off the shuttle, you spent 50 million days in the sun. And you know who was there? Babe Ruth. <laughs> And the Secret Service almost shot Babe Ruth because he swung his bat at me. He'd always swing his bat at me. That was how he greeted me. This was, oh, this was some time ago. Come on. <laughs> All right. What an interesting way for your mind to work. Yeah, I just, I and, and you know, I, I'm trying to think if I've personally known anybody like that. I don't think it's evil. No, 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 no. Like I said, I don't think... I reserve the word lie for something that's meaningful and malicious. I just right. think he's a fabulist. What about what about uh, Brian Williams? Did he think he saw bodies floating by in New Orleans? Did he think there were rounds coming into the airframe? I don't know. Or, or is he just memory, a liar? His memory changed? I, I don't know. I have no idea on that. If anybody else knows people like that or you are like that. Then Babe Ruth handed me a hot dog out of his pocket. He always carried a hot dog. <laughs> Joey, baby. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Barry Morphew is charged with first-degree murder, as well as with tampering with physical evidence and an attempt to influence a public servant. A neighbor called 911 on May 10th last year to report the 49-year-old mother of two was missing, saying she went for a bike ride and never returned. At the time, her husband was reportedly in Denver, three and a half hours away. Soon after, though, he went in front of cameras. If anyone is out there that can hear this, that has you, please we'll do whatever it takes to bring you back. Issuing a desperate plea for her safe return, along with a $200,000 reward. So now he's been arrested. She disappeared last Mother's Day. They found her bike out in a bike trail. She never returned. And uh, he was supposedly on a business trip. Hmm. I know this is a weird thing to say. He looks like the kind of guy that would do this. He's just... (laughs) He just he looks like one of the guys. Well, guy, she's guy, you're, you're super fi- pretty. She's super pretty, and he's 50 years old, like super crazy buff, super crazy tan, got the blonde highlights. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's a little superficial lifestyle. You know, that doesn't. not everybody who's superficial kills their spouse. <laughs> or but, good looking. You know. No, but, uh, yeah. So. I assume the good looking are murderers <laughs> until they prove otherwise. <laughs> Well, he's Clear. beyond the good-looking. He's the, like, super tight T-shirt, short-sleeve, buff, tan thing. You know, that again, those people aren't all killers, but it's, right. a, it's you know. Right. The trial will be interesting. Uh, prosecutors said they, they think they can get him, even though there's no body. God right. rest her soul, her body has not been found. So there's one part of it that's come out. The only part of it's come out is a, a, a hotel room that smelled like bleach. That he may have been at that hotel. I don't know. I don't know what the sheriffs know, but that's the only part that's like come out in the media. Yeah, I think the indictment is still sealed. Mm-hmm. So, well, we'll see. We'll follow it. Oh, what's the what's the the name attached? Just so I'll recognize it if I hear it. 
I just kept they, they keep going with the Colorado woman and all the stories. I mean, her name is there. There are but, quite a few women in Colorado. I've been there. I can vouch for that. Well, not one that's disappeared and her husband just got arrested. True enough. Uh, so a quick note before we get yesterday, you may recall, we did the five most regretted majors in college. Uh, we'll have the five least regretted for you coming up in a moment or two. But I just least wanna, regretted majors. Glad I majored in this. Uh, I, I want to mention this just because a reference made to Good Morning America or whatever the the morning shows. You're not going to see this on the morning shows. The Department of Homeland Security just put out some pictures of the uh, immigrant processing facility in Donna, Texas, that was so crowded. Well, these pictures show it's practically empty now. It's uh, they've cleared it out. The backlog, as you can see from these pictures, blah, blah, blah. Well, Henry Cuellar, who's a Democrat representative from Texas, congressman, he is howling about this, saying all they're doing is they're moving kids from one tent to the other, taking pictures and saying, oh, they're not at the Border Patrol anymore. Um, They are. What else did he say? But they're right next door. They're just next door in HHS. It's an enormous crisis for Texas. Hmm. And the uh, administration is trying to uh, to cover it up. Jen Psaki is claiming they've got the, they've really got things streamlined. It's going much better. But what did you say? We now have twenty four thousand. I think it's twenty five. Uh, but yeah, twenty five thousand young uh, unaccompanied minors in our care at this point. How aware do you feel like? Because I feel like a lot of people don't know this. But how aware do you feel a lot of people in positions of power are about the current news cycle and the way it works? about how people are so siloed, about how people are so short attention span. You think they're really up to speed on that and are taking Uh, advantage of it, or it's just kind of happening and helping them? Well, it's so universal. I mean, unless you watch Fox News, for instance, or read the Washington Examiner or a number of the great conservative websites, um, if you just take in what most people think are mainstream, solid news organizations, well, you're just getting the left story anyway. So, yeah. And I've seen it work the same way where there's a story that's pretty big and like a real story that's getting covered a lot on NPR and MSNBC or whatever, and Fox doesn't mention it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so it can work both directions. But um, what was I going to say? Oh, uh, it's so easy now to put out practically a press release about something like this. Here, Look, the facilities are empty now. And your friendly to you news sites will just run it with no questions asked. Yeah, and you can just kind of end a story that way. And I just wonder how, how on purpose, how aware these people at the top are of this. Oh, I think the yeah, I think they're pretty aware hmm. uh, to the extent that they have to be. Well, I think I one mean, thing Trump that helped Trump a lot is I think he understood news cycles and the way people took in information way better than his opponents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Uh, so here are your least regretted college majors. The most regretted were, counting up to the most overall regretted, communications, social science and law, education, bio and physical sciences, which surprised me, but it's just because you can't do anything with them. You have to get an advanced degree. Mm. And English and foreign languages. Um, that was the most regretted major. Your least regretted majors, counting up from number five to number one. Millionaire the, 101. How to become a millionaire. I don't regret that major at all. It's always studied was how to become a millionaire. And it worked. And it worked. Uh, about 19% of people regret their health sciences and technologies, uh, low job satisfaction, uh, health administration and assisting. Uh, about 18% low job, job satisfaction. They got out in the workplace and they hated it. Engineering, about 16%. The best jobs require advanced degrees. 
That's not much of a, a regret, but okay, fine. Uh, business, 15, only 15.5% or took it, uh, regretted it. They said it was too general. I kind of wish I'd gotten a business degree, honestly. Um, but, oh well, life's yeah, worked out I okay. Yeah, I often wish I'd majored in history, but what's the point of that? I can take in as much freaking history as I want anytime on my own. Um, I don't, I don't know if there'd been any advantage to that. B- the business degree would have been good. More yeah, economics, probably, maybe. Yeah, I've, you know, I've uh, looked at various opportunities to start businesses, join businesses, the rest of it, and I just know I don't know enough. I look at, you know, just to start to get into payroll and taxes and stuff like that. It's so overwhelming. God, I have so little interest in that. I admire people that can make themselves do that. Yeah. Because you're yeah. driven for the ultimate goal. And the least regretted college major, barely 12.5% regretted computer science and mathematics. Oh, how would you? The leading reason for regret? Stressful. Hmm. Yeah, I just, I, compu- math, I never took any computer science. I'm pretty good with computers, just as a dope who uses them on a day-to-day basis, but I, I don't know what I'm doing technically. But math was never anything but stress for me. I, I, I had no joy. And I took it for fun. I took calculus in college. It wasn't even required because I enjoyed it. That sounds like saying I, I, I took a cheese grater to my knuckles for fun. Just to see how big a chunks of flesh I could get off. I wish that one tiny skill that I have was worth anything. Might have been if I'd applied it, but I would get these calculus problems that were like a page long and bring them home. And I couldn't wait to tear into them <laughs> and spend hours on them trying to, you know, reduce them down. I just loved that. Wow. How interesting. But you didn't go that road. No. I became a disc jockey. Now look at me. Idiot. I know. Says the idiot. Apply yourself. One idiot to another idiot. Idiot. (laughs) I try try to, you know, I try to remember with the things that I can't do, for instance, that other people can do that are just like painful to me. Makes my brain hurt when I start. Oh, you know, yeah, and we all have those. I'm reminded I read a great essay. Reason.com was talking about the, the horrific Marxist, just a nightmarish new policies in California where they're going to like crush anybody's ability to take any advanced math. Everybody learns at the same rate. There's no such thing as talented or not talented in mathematics. Everybody is the same. I mean, it is straight out of Orwell. And this essay was talking about, you know what? I actually have it around. I could probably credit the guy. Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, for his writing. It's, uh, oh, it's Robbie Suave, our, our old, uh, bud. Um, about how the hallmark of great education is is choice and recognizing talent and interest and where those come together and where a kid is not particularly cut out for a certain thing, but he's just he or she has got magical talents in this other area and how she needs to be allowed to explore those. And good education empowers her and, and gives her opportunities and connects her with mentors or, or him with people who've blazed blah, blah, blah. That's a beautiful thing. There's, there's no such thing as talent. Everyone will learn the same things at the same rate. I mean, that's bizarre. It's ugly. It's, I just, I, I can't, if I, I could get so fired up, I could lose my job screaming obscenities over how horrible I think this is. And poor, the gifted kids, bored to death, 
just completely losing their love of learning, just being embittered, spacing off, you know, the, the, the turn into drugs or whatever, just to get them through the day. I hate this. Hate, hate, hate this. Separating people out more seems like a better idea rather than less. Yeah, finding out what are their gifts. Maybe they're just great with their hands. That is a fine and noble way to apply yourself. I've got a buddy who's, he is a genius. Now, people who'd run into him, particularly pretentious people who don't have a lot of perspective on the different sorts of people in the world, might think he's kind of a simple guy. Uh, kind of earnest, simple, nice fella. <laughs> Look at him with his dirty hands and the rest of it. Guy is a freaking genius. Can build anything. Yeah. Can fix anything. I got a buddy like that. I was just texting with him. He always says, I'm going to be his uh, zombie apocalypse contact. He said, nobody else is going to do you any good. I can get anything started, anything running, fix right. anything. <laughs> he can he can reverse engineer anything and figure out how it works in the rest of it. His brain is three times the size of mine. Uh, but because he's not your classic college intelligentsia, suburban, big words, spouting, you know, whatever, the, the, the education system has no use for a guy like that. That's, I almost swore again. I'm so sorry. I'm a Christian man. I should watch my language. Um that's obscene that we don't have a system that recognizes talent like that and and nurtures it. And it's not utilizing human capital in the way that Joe Biden just claimed the other night we're so good at, and that's how we're going to defeat China, is that we we, we use all our talent. Well, we're not. we got a particular narrow road to go to college and get a degree that's not going to do you any good. It's the only thing that counts. Get a good cubicle job. With no offense to those working cubicles. I've done it myself. Uh, you and I, Jack, have <laughs> railed against the teachers' unions as much as I think anybody. And I think we have grossly underestimated how evil a force they are. Yeah. Um, to not end on such a downer note, coming back, maybe we should play once again the dad at the end of a long day doing a press conference, which is Love pretty it. funny. Um, uh, what Robert Gates, former sec def, had to say about Joe Biden yesterday, which I thought was kind of interesting, among other things. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I've been a big fan of Robert Gates for a long time. He was the Secretary of Defense under Bush and Obama and CIA director. Who's got more knowledge than that? And two different, completely different administrations. He's got a new book out. Ah, Dick Cheney does. Says Dick Cheney. Ah. <laughs> he has a new book out and has some interesting uh, stuff to say about Joe Biden, which we'll tell you in a second. But first, we came across this. This is dang funny. This is like if you've ever seen uh the post game after a, a a big game and the players and the coaches get up there at a table and answer questions from the press this is a dad like he's the coach after a bad game this is dad at the end of a long day at a table taking questions sum up the day yeah honestly just felt like we got behind early after the milk spill and the marker on the wall we just felt like we were playing catch up the rest of the day right before you went to the store you called a timeout was there an attitude change after that yeah it felt like we were losing our heads there for a minute so we wanted to just calm things down and uh get back to the basics did you ever find your keys no 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 idea where they are you gave him a snack half hour before dinner was that planned no i lost track of time was just wasn't thinking and so you know, three bites of dinner that's on me it didn't look like you had many answers to the double teams is that a question 
That's <laughs> girl. The tone, the tone turns a little uh, hostile there for a second. <laughs> that's so authentic. That's great. Oh no, I lost track of time and uh, three bites of dinner. That's on me. That's that's some funny stuff. And the look, he's just got that like coaches or dads, just you know, exhausted. You know, I lost. Yeah. I'm gonna try to do better next time. <laughs> Yeah, after the uh, spilled milk and the marker on the wall, I just fell way behind. (laughs) That reminds me, when our oldest, Kate, who is now, gosh, she's going to be 29 in December, which is astounding to me. That's astounding to me. I can still picture it walking into her room and busting out laughing because she'd taken a purple marker and drawn a picture on the wall of a man sitting on the toilet. And it was large. I mean, it was, it was, uh, I don't know, would you call it a picture or a mural? I mean, it was covered a significant part of the, the wall. Fabulous. So Robert Gates, former Secretary of Defense under Obama and Bush, um, with a new book out, and so he's making the rounds, and I imagine we'll talk to him, uh, probably the last people on earth to talk to him, but we'll talk to him at some point and ask him some <laughs> questions. He famously said in his last book, this was before anybody ever knew Joe Biden was going to be president of the United States, that Joe Biden's a good guy. Everybody loves Joe Biden, but he's been wrong on every foreign policy decision that he's been involved in. Um, and Joe Biden was chair of the Foreign Relations Committee for years, you know, his vice president of Obama for eight years. Joe Biden was the only person in the room That famous picture of the Bin Laden raid where all those people are there. You got the secretaries of this and that and intelligence and Hillary Clinton's there and Barack Obama's there and everybody's there and Joe Biden's there. Joe Biden was the only person that said no on the question of should we go in and get Bin Laden. And uh, that doesn't make him a bad guy, but a guy with the knowledge of Robert Gates saying he's always been wrong on every decision. Yeah. Is is something. Well, and a guy is even handed as Gates, too. Yeah, I mean, you're used to that sort of talk out of, oh, geez, what do the the the, the two bald headed dudes that ran intelligence during um, uh, Clapper and Brennan? Yeah, you know, on Lion MSNBC, sacks. you know, saying bad things about Trump. No, Gates isn't one of those guys. He's not that kind of guy. He's just saying, I believe Joe Biden's been on the wrong side of the decision on every foreign policy decision, which is quite a thing. And there could be some major foreign policy decisions to make in in the coming weeks, let alone months and years. China does something with Taiwan, Iran's still trying to get a bomb, pulling out of Afghanistan and making September 11th the anniversary of it. What the hell? But yeah, I find that a little scary. I don't want the show to be over, but I am ready to listen to the final thoughts from Armstrong and Getty. Here's your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. Hey, let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew, starting with Michelangelo, our technical director in the control room. Michael, final thought. Yeah, I don't like this idea of everybody learning at the same rate. It was the smart kids that helped me in math. I was terrible in math, so I always looked at the smart kids, and they'd help me out. Uh, Yes, that was lovely of them. Uh, Positive Sean, our producer, do you have a final thought for us? Started watching episode one of The Bad Batch from Star Wars, now streaming on the, uh, the Disney+. Plus. I liked it. If you like the Clone Wars or the, the, the other animated Star Wars stuff, there's no reason you wouldn't like this one. They seem to have picked up tonally exactly where those ones were, and I was a big fan of those. Great. Jack, a final thought for us? Well, since Sean was in that vein, the movie that got the most nominations for Oscar and the most nominations for Golden Globes was Mank, and we'd mocked it a lot. I started watching that. That movie is freaking fantastic. It is the visually best-looking movie I've ever seen in my life. Huh. It is 
freaking incredible. And I think and the, who's got it these days? The script's good. Um, watching it on Netflix. Uh, Netflix. Use your search Netflix. function, old it's man. Ne- yeah. It's Netflix. Uh, it's funny. I was going to just say, uh, at your recommendation and others, I started into The Mitchells versus The Machines on Netflix. Yeah. It's a great, charming family movie. Hilarious, It's too. really, it's funny. It's heartwarming. It's beautifully done. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Secondly, at armstrongandgetty.com, we have a number of great things under hot links, including, it's just labeled Space Junk, but it's a satellite map. It's a space junk map. It's a all sorts of things. Everything orbiting the planet map, and it's mind-blowing. Awesome. Armstrong and Yeti wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people to thank so little time. You'll find that and other things at armstrongandgetty.com, including all of the podcasts. If you missed a segment of the show or you want to hear the one more thing from yesterday, it is hilarious. A little edgy, though. There's some rough language. That's at armstrongandgetty.com. Pick up some swag. I'm vexed. No mask t-shirt. See you tomorrow. God bless America. Now, I know you guys are having fun playing your game. Don't pet the snake. Pet the python again. As my mother would say, who died and left them, boss? Congratulations. How much fun did you have out there today? A lot of fun. I think you tickled my brain. My point was made. I'll see y'all soon. Damn. So, let's go out with a bang. You travel 1,515,000 miles on Amtrak. Woo for you, Captain Trano. On that high note, thank you all very much. Armstrong and Getty.